Hey everyone, Christina here with a quick message that we forgot to include during the episode. Pretty much just a standard reminder to wash your hands, uh, keep socially distant, so at least six feet, two meters apart from each other at all times if you can. If you are unable to, please wear a mask, and that applies as well if you are going out and participating in any uh, protests or demonstrations. Keep an eye on your health. If you're concerned about your health, uh, speak to a health practitioner if you can, and stay home if you can. Help support those in the community around you. Um, I personally have made uh, donations within the last week to my state's ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, um, to my city's bail fund, the Transgender Law Center, uh, a group called Black Urban Growers, and my city's Urban League. So I highly suggest that you look into what organizations are available, especially around your area, and if you are unable to be physically present at a protest or a demonstration, I highly suggest that you look into those options as ways to help better the state of humanity, but especially to help better the state of all of our black and brown fellow Americans. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I guess that's it. Enjoy the episode. My name is Christina, and thank you for checking in to the Home for Rabbit OCs. This is a podcast where a friend and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. And today, our guest is my friend Annie. How are you doing? Hey, I am good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, again, actually. Long time no pod. Yeah. I think you, I, th- I feel like you were like the fourth, <laughs> the fourth, the fifth guest or something. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. one of the real early ones. It, and it's kind of funny because like, that was like my very first OC and now we're going to be talking about like my, my most recent OC. So mm-hmm. really, I, I, I honestly did not expect, um, ju- we're talking about Juliana. We're talking about Juliana. Um, <laughs> I, they already saw it in the podcast episode title. Um, I didn't realize that Juliana was still the most recent character that you'd created. Well, I mean, it's the one that I keep revisiting and updating the most simply because I'm doing like journal entries and stuff for every every, every other week. Um Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about like strict OC creation, I've got a couple of other like D&D characters that have come and gone since then, but mm-hmm. nothing that I do anything on a regular basis with on like a in, that's not just like my regular gaming group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get that. Okay, so we already we already said who we're talking about um, for the episode, but Annie, would you like to introduce Juliana? Sure. One one sentence character summary. All right. Um, Juliana is the Tempest cleric in our campaign Gem Jammer. That is a spell jammer actual play five e podcast. Uh, she is a Juliana is saying is uh she's an anxious little turd who is doing her best out in space. <laughs> oh, I I would use I would use nicer terms than turd to describe her, but your character, your terms. 
oh, she's my horrible little daughter. Hey. And I love her very much, but she's the worst. I know this. <laughs> L- look, okay, out of out of the Gem Jammer crew, Juliana is like is like one of the least worst out of the crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so to the uninitiated, um we have a four-person party in our uh Dungeons and Dragons group in the Spelljammer mm-hmm. campaign. Uh, yes. We have Jilliana, who is a Tempest cleric. Uh, she's an Azamar, um, which are like kind of angel people. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. She's a special little little gem. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We have uh, Cacophony slash Wynn, who is an Eladrin glamour bard, played by Mac, who has been on the show before. Mm-hmm. You should definitely listen to her episodes if you haven't, because she's yes. amazing. Mm-hmm. Then we have... Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. Then we have Alviva, who is a uh, ranger who was formerly played by Kit's mom, Vicky, and is currently played by Alexi Peepers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peppers? Peepers? I'm, I'm sorry, Alexi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, Arturo's Prosperos or Prosperoth. I don't remember which one they went with. Um, I don't remember either. I'm sure I'm sure that's probably on the TV tropes page, but I don't feel like pulling that up right now. Sorry, Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> the last name doesn't come up particularly often at this point, uh, but mm-hmm. Arturos is a uh, Triton uh, Battlemaster fighter, played by uh, one Riostifer Quirios Rios. <laughs> Their actual name is Rio Rios, but Riostifer Quirios Rios is much more fun to say. Yes, I, I figured. It's it's a fun trend. Just let's expanding on expanding on friends' names to. I'm just going to say, like, Edwardian levels of extravagance. Oh, naturally. I mean, as someone whose name, whose given name is a single syllable, oh, mm-hmm. I have received Anford, Anifrid, uh, <laughs> I, I forget the other ones, but those are the ones that come up the most frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cacophony is a, uh, is basically a cougar lesbian who is looking for the lizard woman of her dreams, who is basically... <laughs> Cacophony was initially uh, Max pitch was okay. What if Riot from Ge- from Gem and the Holograms was like a middle aged lesbian? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alviva mm-hmm. is just kind of a forest child disaster. Yeah, is is the best way to describe her. And Arturos is a fish himbo, a very short fish himbo. Yes, yes. So Juliana has ended up being sort of the uh, the mom friend slash straight man of the group in terms of like humor straight man. Everybody's mm-hmm. gay. Yeah. Um, and therefore sort of the leader. So she is the one with the most level head, but also goes off yes. in an anxious panic the fastest. Yeah, we believe believe me, we are going to be talking about that uh, probably <laughs> probably later on in the episode. Also, we didn't we didn't mention this, but this um this entire episode is going to be um probably spoilers for most of Gem Jammer at this point. Uh, so if yeah. you are if you're interested in hearing about uh about spacefaring D and D characters, we're also it's it's a lot more fun and creative and indulgent than bog standard D and D tends to be. So if you are interested, I highly encourage you to go listen to Gem Jammer and then come back to this episode. Thank you. Uh, Gem Jammer is basically queer Dungeons and Dragons, which means that there's a big preponderance on having big, messy feelings, role-playing, found family, and also doing some combat along the way. And, of Mm -hmm. course, all of this takes place in a big, weird uh, science fiction universe. Uh, Oh, yeah. 
done DM'd by one Kit Walker who loves mm-hmm. Spelljammer more than anybody else I've ever met. So yes, yes, Kit Kit Walker who also has guested on this podcast. I need to have Alexi on and Rio so that way I can complete like the Gem Jammer group. Just just get the whole set. <laughs> I mean, look, let's be real here. That would not be the most chaotic recording that you and I have ever done. <laughs> this is true. <sighs> but yeah, so. Would you, I would like to talk about where Jillianna began. Would you like to start with how she came into existence as a character or her fictional character, like growth and childhood? Um, Let's get into her just sort of creation origins first, because I think that informs yeah. a bit about her. Yeah, sure. Um, So Jillianna came into being uh, fairly quickly and within mm-hmm. a couple of days after we started the idea of doing Jump Jammer to begin with um, good, because good. Kit was visiting for a weekend um, from the far reaches of Canada where they live and <laughs> we went to go see Thor Ragnarok was in theaters. Oh, okay, okay. So over the course of that weekend, we see Thor Ragnarok and also Kit starts telling me all about Spelljammer, which again, yeah. she loves more than anybody else I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And uh, she also talks about how, like, well, you know, she's always kind of wanted to play in a tabletop game with Mac because Mackenzie uh, plays tabletop games like fish breathe water. Yes, that she is needs it to very live. true. Hmm. I, I wonder, it, w- would you say that Mac also plays, uh, also does Otome games like fish breathe water? Yes, absolutely. These are these are two absolutely necessary facets of her entire being and i love her for it yes and they're also very close with like they're also pretty close like in this like creative sense you know so mm-hmm. it's not that far of a leap if you give Mackenzie an npc she will form an intense over overly uh overly dependent emotional attachment to it and if anything happens to that npc she will lose her cool immediately and go on a blood rage mm-hmm. yeah that uh that tracks that tracks right but Kit starts getting, like, the, the Spelljammer handbook and finds a copy of it. It's on, like, good old games or drive through RPG, I think, yeah. is where you can find a PDF of it. Because it's old as balls. Yeah, it fell, it fell off the back of internet truck. <laughs> exactly. And we're just, and over the course of this weekend, we're like, well, why don't we do a, why don't we do a D&D podcast? Why don't we just do a campaign? Yeah, yeah. And... So we spend that rest of the weekend talking about Dungeons and Dragons and Kit basically like reading pe- pieces of the Spelljammer handbook that are the most stupid out loud. Good, good, good. And uh, as we sort of talk, I look up stuff that I want to do. And one thing that Kit talks about that I kind of latch onto is this weird way that priests slash clerics work in Spelljammer. Okay. Which is a really stupid thing and actually kind of screws them over a lot. Yeah, I I feel like I've picked up on kind of what the deal is from that time when I read the entire D&D art book and also <laughs> and also in listening to Gem Jammer, but would you like to kind of clarify how um how how a faith-based class in Spelljammer is different from bog standard D&D? Right. So I was actually able to pull up a uh, a PDF of the Spelljammer handbook, and I actually have a mm-hmm. quote here on it. Um, and what it says is that, mechanically speaking, what happens is, in the phlogiston, a priest may study only first and second level spells. In many spheres, uh, the priest god has no foothold, 
and her spells are similarly restricted, although certain spells, notably Contact Home Power, can eliminate this restriction. If the priest's efforts are required on the spelljamming helm, she may be drained of all magical energy just when her shipmates need healing the most. There's other things about that in particular. That section specifically works with groundlings, as in, like, people that come from non-spelljamming races and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, with regards to healing. Uh, but that sort of encapsulates a lot of it. Healers are restricted to first and second level spells uh, entirely if they're in a sphere or in the phlogiston where their god is not. Phlogiston is space, by the way. Right. In Spelljammer, you have sort of star systems that are encased in a giant crystal sphere because mm -hmm. uh, it's Spelljammer and it's dumb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you have sort of a rainbowy stuff, like a gaseous thing in between it, like an ether between these sort of spells, star systems called the phlogiston. Yeah. But the thing is that restricting it to first and second level spells really screws over the the character class in the beginning like you yeah, may be able yeah. to like store some spells in a in like a battery or something but that's about it it's because mm -hmm. speaking in terms of sort of character flavor priests and clerics and the like faith-based character classes in mm -hmm. early editions of Dungeons and Dragons yeah. could not like they got their spells from their god mm -hmm. like it yeah. wasn't until later that, that a lot of that was sort of rewritten so that these characters more get their spells from, like, their faith, sort of from an internal yeah. emotion or source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That even if, even, if the, even if the deity to whom they are devoted is not necessarily present, then they can still, you know, use their own beliefs to do magic if need be. Exactly. And that's something that especially pops up in, say, the Eberron setting, where, like, there are people who don't believe in gods at all, but can still be clerics because of their own sense of internal faith, um, mm -hmm. as I understand it. But, like, that really sounded interesting to me, and mm -hmm. as I'm a person who comes up with character concepts before I actually look at anything mechanically speaking when it comes to D&D characters, mm -hmm. uh, I liked this idea of a cleric essentially that is someone who knows what they're doing then goes out to space and finds out that their god is not there mm -hmm. and they basically have to completely realign their entire life structure in order yeah. to account for this mm -hmm. and i mean in gem general we kind of play this more of a the of a thematic thing and more of a flavor in terms of like Jillianna still has access to all her spells because she's the healer. That would be a nightmare for the party yeah. otherwise. I See, you were talking about how, you know, the whole, in early editions of, of Spelljammer and stuff, it was very, it, it feels like they didn't want people to have faith in space. Yeah, that they, was... that they were so deliberately like, if you're coming into space, you like don't expect to be able to do like like you said no no magic higher than second level which in current D&D terms would mean like no prayer of healing <laughs> no no spiritual guardians <laughs> you don't get a resurrection spell <laughs> no revivify <laughs> like 
You can hypothetically work around this by, like, certain spells or carrying a battery where you prep spells into the battery. Yeah, or, yeah, like, yeah. essentially expanding your warship to an entire plane that you can always contact. But it's, honestly, it's kind of pointlessly punishing for, for healing classes or for faith-based classes. I imagine, mm-hmm. I, I don't know in particular, but I imagine paladins will also probably have an issue with this as well. Probably, yeah. But, like... What we ended up doing was I looked at that character idea, mm-hmm. and then I decided to just double the heck down on that. Yes. And roll that up with an Azamar, which are basically, like, they are humans who have celestial ancestry and are entirely based on being essentially faith-based. Mm-hmm. On having a divine mission, a divine right, divine magic that is inherent to them. And I'm yeah. like, fine, let's just double down on this character who's going to know exactly who they are and what they're doing and then pull mm-hmm. the rug out from under them. Yeah. Which is a fun character concept. Right. Like, and I mean, honestly, a, a big thing of Juliana's like, character arc has been like... Uh, <laughs> Becoming flexible. <laughs> right. Learning how to deal with faith outside of her comfort zone outside of where she know where she knows she is and who she knows she is Mm -hmm. and a lot of that we actually built around this idea of uh of her basically manifesting that newfound sense of faith or the very least the development of that uh Mm -hmm. in terms of using the asimar's uh racial ability which they get at third level which is where they manifest divine wings or the very least juliana does because she's a protection asimar yes uh, listeners, to hear the epi- to hear the, like the arc where this is uh, happening, go check out uh, the Fallen Jammer crossover, which is a crossover t- between Gem Jammer and the Fallen Gods, all of which is uh, done by friends of this podcast and highly recommended. Yeah, we had a lot of fun, and it was kind of awkward doing the character arc culmination there on the Cool Kids Table feed, but they were all very nice about it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But that's those are sort of like the the origins of Juliana is that line about priests and uh, having just seen Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, which is which is very good. I'm I I'm glad to hear that explanation that you know Thor did play a role in inspiring Juliana because I was like this whole time I've been like Juliana's armor does look a little bit like Thor's. I'm sure that's yes. probably intentional. On, Those you know, were specifically like... some of the design notes that we sent to Rio when we commissioned them to do the character designs. Um, and also, uh, Jill's hammer that she is holding in the character art, which I don't think she technically has in the game, uh, is... Uh, it's Stormbreaker. It's Beta Ray Bill's Warhammer Stormbreaker yes. because Beta Ray Bill is my husband and I love him. <laughs> when Thor Ragnarok was coming out, I went through and I read like the entirety of the Walt Simonson run of the Mighty Thor, which is real good comics. And mm-hmm. I love Beta Ray Bill a lot. And he and Sif are holding hands in space. <laughs> I have ship opinions. Which are valid. <laughs> But no, it's it's there are very intentional allusions to to mm-hmm. Thor. That is specifically why Juliana is a Tempest cleric. And yes. also part of her name. Um because uh Beta Ray Bill, and I was like, what if Beta Ray Bill but a girl? Beta Ray Jill. <laughs> and then I back engineered Juliana from that. Nice. Nice, and I support that. Yeah, she was originally intended to be a much more like Thor one era Thor character. 
in terms of like MCU original Thor movie. Uh, but so then we started more kind of like more academic, more kind of like I guess I'm gonna say like solemn. Oh no no no! Quite the opposite. More brash, more confident, more oh, okay bombastic. Essentially, someone who knows okay. exactly what they're doing, okay. very confident. And there's a little bit of that, but like Mackenzie and I have known each other for a very long time, and we play mm -hmm. off of each other very well. Yeah. And when we started playing, I uh just almost unconsciously adjusted to basically play off of Cacophony's force of personality. Yeah. So Juliana became much more of sort of a straight man character. Um, and mm -hmm. again, because she was always designed from the get-go to have the rug pulled out from under her and completely lose her footing, yeah. uh, that confidence was always meant to sort of drop away in any way, and thus she became a big anxious mess. Mm-hmm. Mood. <laughs> I, I'm thank you for clarifying that that thing that part about Thor because when you said Thor one I was thinking like oh soft Thor wrapped in a blanket at campfire explaining explaining the seven <laughs> realms to Jane Foster and you, and you were thinking Thor before his character development yeah absolutely just ha ha a lot of that mm -hmm. oh that would be fun that that would be a fun episode like. <laughs> Hey, let's just do like a complete personality swap for an episode. Oh, that would be that would be enjoyable. April Fool's Day. <laughs> Kid, if you're listening, April Fool's Day. In, you know, 10 months. Yeah, that's plenty of time. <laughs> Whatever. In terms of the campaign, like it's it's the ninth month out of the year in in like game time ish. It's coming up on on October equivalent. Yeah. It's always so weird how like game how how game time is never in track with like real time. Like it also doesn't help that we spent a literal six months in a Halloween castle that didn't actually take any time at all. <laughs> that you did. That you did. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> so would you like to talk a little bit about kind of like Juliana's character history? <clears throat> Like, what, sure. what what brings her up to the point where Gem Jammer begins? So, I get into a little bit of this in some of the uh, Juliana journals, which I'll refer to constantly here for those mm -hmm. who don't know. Um, available on a, the Good Russian Cam Patreon. Go support them. They're available for free once you're, once you're a patron. Patreon.com slash Gem Jam for a dollar a month. You can have access to about five, about 50,000 words at this point. Um, so, a NaNoWriMo novel's worth. Of uh, of journal entries that work as partially just character journals and partially mm -hmm. as uh, last time ons to catch you up on what happened on the last episode before the next episode is released. Yeah. Um, I also like a plus on the idea. Like, I'm gonna have to definitely steal the idea of using character journals as a way to like explore the character that I'm playing in between sessions. Thank you. Um, that actually came a bit from something that Mackenzie does in one of uh, in one of her regular campaigns. Is mm -hmm. uh, it's a play by post game, and the DM often gives like extra bonus, like XP and rewards and stuff for uh, for doing character journals. Oh, interesting! Interesting. Mm -hmm. Just to encourage a bit more role play, a bit more looking, a bit a bit more introspection, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So, baby. So Jill. right. Yeah, so I get into it a little bit in some of the journals, um, mm -hmm. but 
Juliana is from a very small fishing town initially. Um, she was born to parents who already had a couple of kids. Um, she was kind of a whoopsie baby. They weren't really intending to have more. <laughs> because uh, her parents, her mother basically takes the boat out. Her dad basically stays home and raises the kids. And when Juliana comes along, they don't have a whole lot of money to raise this many kids. I... I mm -hmm. I mean, I say that. I think she's only got, like, two older siblings, maybe three. I, I keep this stuff kind of vague. Um, yeah. But then when she's about five or six, her parents have two more kids. Twins come out. <laughs> Juliana's got two twin younger siblings. And they're like, oh, frick. Ah, oh, shucky darn. Oh, dang it. And, uh... Well, what they end up doing is Juliana is given to a convent that is about a day's walk from their village um, with the idea that basically she'll be raised well, she'll be given an education, etc., uh, etc. Et mm -hmm. uh, so when Jill's about six years old, she is given to a convent for a goddess named Ethla, um, who is a uh, goddess of a very small religion. Um, there are not that many worshippers of Ethla. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is a mother goddess who is a patron of, among many things, um, storms, uh, justice, and honor, essentially. Hey, here's a dumb question. Did <clears throat> yeah. you make Ethla up? Yes. Okay, okay, because when I was, at one point, I think it was maybe when I was trying to do, like, Jill's fancy dress design. I was like trying to Google <laughs> Ethla. I was like, "What motif should I be playing from?" And I found I found nothing. Right, and I was like, I was like, <sighs> like I was doing like the, <laughs> I was doing like the "It's Always Sunny" like <gasps> string on <laughs> string on wall meme, trying to figure out things about this character. Who it turns out you just homebrewed. <laughs> right. Yes, Ethla is homebrewed. Um, there are aspects of Ethla that are pre-existent. Um. But there is essentially a reason that uh, Ethla's effigies are all non-existent, that there are no images of her um, available in Juliana's religion. Um, but that's stuff that we're probably not going to touch on for a long time, so I have to keep mum about that. Yeah, I figured. But Ethla does have a pre-existing template, but the goddess herself is, is a homebrew thing. Uh, because another part of basically creating this character just to dunk on her is Juliana is a very big proponent of this religion that almost nobody follows. Yes. She she is the one stan. <laughs> yeah, she is an Ethla stan. She is the only one. That's it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's her and like a couple of small towns around their around their basically backwater planet Easheim. Mm-hmm. Um so Juliana is raised in this faith. Uh, she takes to it really well, uh, to the point where, like, when her Asimar powers start coming in, when she's, uh, like, about 10 or 11 or so, like, kind of a puberty thing, mm -hmm. um, which is something that happens with humans who have, who, it turns out, are actually Asimar. You think you're human until it starts coming in, and then it's like, uh... Um, oh, well! <laughs> yeah. Uh, the hair changes color, the eyes change color, so that is why Juliana has platinum hair, and uh, I think they're, like, just, like, bright green eyes. 
Mm-hmm. It's and Juliana sort of doesn't know much about Asimar. She still doesn't. There weren't that many around, and not that many records. But she takes this sort of thing as sort of a confirmation that she's exactly where she needs to be. That this is exactly who Aww. she is meant to be. Yes. And then so Eiffel she, said, "It's okay. Just hold on a second. You'll be fine." You'll right. Be so fine. she goes. She goes all in on ba- on basically committing herself to this faith and being and becoming a cleric of Ethla. Mm-hmm. Um. So she's raised in the convent. Uh, once she is, uh, let's see, about twenty-one. That's about when uh, Ethlin clerics tend to go on pilgrimages and travel to the other Ethlin temples around Eastheim, uh mm-hmm. to basically just perform good works, do services, learn from other uh, senior acolytes, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, which takes her to the town of Stormhaven, which is about a couple weeks uh, ride away. Yeah. And uh, she stays there, and two years later, uh, that is when we start in on the campaign. Juliana does some odd jobs around town, meets Cacophony and Alviva, and mm-hmm. a couple weeks later, that is when a spaceship crash lands outside <laughs> Stormhaven, and all this nonsense starts up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot to say something, uh, which I realized... Maybe like maybe like a few weeks ago, month ago, something like that. But then I forgot to tell you until now. Okay. Um, listening, listening to y'all play Spelljammer on Gemjammer helped me to understand how Kingdom Hearts works. <laughs> <laughs> how so? The the whole concept of you know like the the separate worlds and everything, and like the because like in in Spelljammer, each each world is kind of. Like, I guess you could say each, like, setting is kind of contained in its own air quote, right. your crystal sphere. And that, that, that is what the term is. I don't know why I put it in air quotes. Whatever. <laughs> it's Friday night. I have no brain cells left. Um, the But in, in, in Spelljammer, it's every, like, setting has its own crystal sphere, its own contained world that people don't realize that they're necessarily, like, in a, in a sphere that's just... Yes. Everything they know is contained in there, but then people can leave it and enter and exit it and stuff. And in Kingdom Hearts, sometimes the only setting that you have is like, hey, there's like these five areas around the part of Africa that Tarzan is set in. And like, (laughs) in theory, the rest of Earth is there too, but you don't see it because you only have to go to this one setting in that one crystal sphere. Right. Yeah. No, it's basically, it's a lot like that, except instead of uh, a bullet hell to get to another sphere, you, uh, you just kind of like hang out for a while. Yeah, you have character interactions. Right, you have character interactions. You have little interstitials. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it. It. I, I would say that's probably very uh, a, a fairly apt comparison. Like Spelljammer was created with a lot of the explicit intent of linking together different settings mm-hmm. and creating a way to travel between them. So there is a sphere for Kryn. There's a sphere for Greyhawk. There's a sphere for Eberron. Uh, for Eberron and et cetera, et cetera. And we don't have to talk about most of the other ones because they kind of suck, including the Greyhawk one. But there's an Eberron sphere and a Kryn sphere. Yeah. Eberron's a good setting. Yes. I remember your passion for Eberron. <laughs> I still I still don't quite know what, what it means, but I remember that you like it. That's fine. Okay, so we you mentioned that there's a lot of downtime when they're traveling between settings in uh in Gem Jammer. Yes. Would you like to talk since since Gem Jammer is so focused on care on not not necessarily focused, but I feel like there's a lot of time given in Jam Jammer to character role playing, character interactions. 
Would you like to talk about how that maybe has influenced uh, Jill as a character, both who she is and then also how you play her? Oh, absolutely. Um, Like, so much of developing the characters is you have an idea of the character trajectory, but mm-hmm. so much of it comes out in playing off of everybody else. And Oh, yeah, like, definitely. In particular, that's probably half the reason that uh, the relationship between Juliana and Cacophony slash Wynn has proceeded so well, simply because, mm-hmm. again, Mackenzie and I have known each other for a very long time. We play off of mm-hmm. each other really, really well. Yeah. Uh, so, and again, like, Juliana basically developed almost in a reactionary way to play off of Cacophony <laughs> and sort of, well, Mackenzie Weaver is essentially the... Uh, the Tuca to my birdie, if you will. So we we complement each other very well. Mm-hmm. But like, I would say that due to just playing off of each other, uh, um, playing off of say the more recalcitrant way that Vicky played Alviva, versus the more like strange foreign child of the child of the wood that yes. <laughs> that Alexei plays yes. Alviva with, and like, uh. The the spoiled, rich, dumb himbo that Rio plays. Yes. Uh, it's meant that Juliana has to bounce off of other characters and create interactions based on that. Like, I would say I had never predicted that Juliana's character arc would lead her into one that has her taking sort of more of a leadership role among the group. But I think that's actually been developing over time. Mm-hmm. Um. Be simply because, like, when you play off of other people, somebody has to actually say, like, okay, let's, yeah, let's do the plot. So someone has to make the decisions. You can't just all sit around talking about what restaurant you're going to for for an hour and a half. Well, sometimes you can do that. Sometimes, sometimes you, sometimes you just go to a restaurant for an hour and a half, and then you talk about chickens. No, I'm saying like sometimes. <laughs> I, I I know that I know that's a I know that's a Jim Jammer thing. Um, I, s- sitting around and talking about where to go to eat for an hour and a half is literally something that my family does on a regular basis. So oh yeah, no, it is well known among my social group that I am I am not like I am not a Type A person, but I will be the most Type A person in, among a Type B's. I am I am the one-eyed man in the land of the blind. Yes. If that is not too ableist a <laughs> phrase, I'm not sure. But. Yeah. I Anyone who knows me will know that I put a lot of myself into Juliana. She is many of my own faults and insecurities played up to a hyperbolic level, which makes her fun. I, I would say, I would say to a comedic and like to, to, to a narrative element. Like <laughs> it's when you, when you're doing when you're doing, I guess you could call all role-playing games like performance art to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Like when you when you're doing that, you definitely there's definitely like a place and a time to have you know like less than less than like a seven to ten amount on the reaction scale. Like there's definitely a time and a place for that. But especially when you're like still starting out with a character, it can help to just you know crank it up to an eight or a nine or a ten when you're reacting to something. Cause then, oh, absolutely then that can give you, you know, like, a better handle on, uh, is this really how my character would react to this situation? Oh, absolutely. Like, every single anxiety that Juliana has, and yes, she does have anxiety, that is not just me saying she's anxious. She's, she's a character with anxiety. Yes. Um, all of those are basically 
any of my insecurities pushed up to 11 and dialed up just to a big old fat 12, especially when it comes to talking to like hot people that that one in particular gets dialed, just cranked way the heck up beyond where I actually Mm -hmm. am to the point where I think it can get a little like puzzling for some of my, uh, for some of my groups sometimes in terms of like, what is me and what is the character? But you know, you play hyperbolic for laughs anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially on like a, a a podcast that is like Gem Jammer, which I would say is more uh, anti grimdark. <laughs> uh the the way the way Kit described uh the difference between Fallen Gods as a campaign and Gem Jammer as a campaign, and I think she's very correct on that, is that uh Fallen Gods is a party members. It Fallen Gods is a party full of ridiculous people in a serious setting. Jim yes. Jammer is a party full of serious people in a ridiculous setting. Yes. That is very true. We take our we take our emotional arcs extremely seriously even if we play them out in very goofy ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Whereas like on Fallen Gods, even though things are there are there are times of you know like he, like I'm just gonna say like heavy like heavy emotional significance. Yes, a, a lot of it is just you know um, <laughs> a lot a lot of it is God bless his heart. Alan sitting there and then watching his carefully constructed worlds turn into <laughs> shambles when it is when three chaotic idiots come through. It is all done with a loving irreverency. Oh and, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And all these and all these different methods of attacking your campaign are completely valid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's it is very important to remember that if you are in a campaign, it is always a good idea to discuss like among both you and the person running the campaign and also your fellow players about like, hey, do we want to just be going around and like do do we want to be the spanners in the works or do we want to just kind of exist in this world and then if we are spanners it happens <laughs> and also just look we're messy bitches who love drama <laughs> yeah is what it comes down to and mm, that is that is the good shit mhm mhm so I think um, I think we've kind of danced around the matter long enough. Um, would you like to talk about all of the hot people that keeps keep throwing at Juliana? Okay, so I am a well-known fan of Monster Boyfriends. It's like my yes. favorite thing to the point where I've got like a I've got like a two and a half foot tall Garrus Vicarian statue sitting immediately in my left, which is something that Kid actually was able to get for me at a discount uh, way nice. up there in Edmonton nice. and shipped to me, which is uh, a monumental feat because it was a heavy box and she's not a she's not a large person. Mm-hmm. But it is well known and um, yes, important question. Yes, did I I I, I wonder. This is all theoretical, of course. I wonder okay. if mm-hmm. I wonder mm-hmm. if the whole mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. um <laughs> mm-hmm. if the whole um mm-hmm. I wonder if Kit decided to make Gem Jammer into an Otome when y'all started doing Date Me Damn It and Kit said I can do better. <laughs> oh I I believe that this interest pre pre I, I believe that that, that that is a pre existent uh interest. Um but I mean <laughs> No, I, I I can't go further than that. Kid is under NDAs for certain things. Okay. But 
look, we, we have a brand. <laughs> we, we have a brand. Yes. And it is important that we live up to that brand. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, okay. So Juliana has her faith arc, has her crisis of faith arc. And uh, mm-hmm. in the middle of that, and continuing on after that was largely resolved, at least in the immediate crisis, we'll get into more of her faith and stuff as the campaign mm-hmm. progresses. Kit decides that one of the first things we do is we pick up uh, a couple of new crew members. One of them, a, quote, rather handsome-looking half-orc gentleman. Yep, yep. <sighs> I believe those were the exact words that Kit used. Yeah, I wrote them down for a comic I did. But she had been threatening to throw a hot monster boy at me at some point. Mm-hmm. And then later, once mm-hmm. I once I rose and took the bait, she started threatening me with throwing more hot monster boys at me. Yes. Which is a problem. Is it? <sighs> okay. So one of the crew members on the cast roll is a half-orc, <laughs> is, a hot, is a hot boy, is a hot boy yes. half-orc named Lachlan, who is from- <laughs> Hot boy! The sign says hot boy. Uh, mm-hmm. He is from Evron, which again is a campaign that I love. I love that setting. Yes. Uh, and the thing that you need to know about Lachlan is that Kit knows all of the love interests that I stand and I'm a big fan of throughout Bioware games. And Lachlan mm-hmm. is essentially Green Alistair. Okay. I know just enough of Dragon Age to get that comparison. Oh, he's he's uh, slightly more experienced than the player character. He mm-hmm. is uh, unassuming. He has uh, a cute smile, uh, and he cracks jokes, and he is very approachable, but not too unapproachably experienced. And he also seems a bit like he doesn't quite know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's Alistair. He's Alistair Theron, and if he also ends up being some kind of a secret prince, I'll be furious. <laughs> I feel like, I, I feel like if that does happen, then 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 your your audio will just be at the time of recording audible to uh to to Jake as a portent okay. of things to come, and also to me, and also to Elliot. <laughs> Okay, look, let it go on the record that I freaking called Max Wolfboy being a secret prince maybe a couple of days after this character was named because I turned to John and like, Max, what kind of a name is Max? I mean, it'd have to be short for like Maxwell. That's kind of more of a name. Max is such a, like a little (laughs) boy name. Or short for Maximilian, but you can't really be a Maximilian unless you're fancy. Prince. (laughs) Unless you're royalty. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting deeply suspicious, and then everything else confirmed my suspicions. <laughs> yeah, no, Juliana is basically at the center of an Otome game, and will probably, mm-hmm. I, I have to imagine mm-hmm. Kate will throw more hot monsters at me at some mm-hmm. point, because she I love it. is just like that. Mm-hmm. I, so, I hope that whatever, whenever Jim Jamer concludes in, in, God willing, the far distant future, at a point that is satisfying to everyone involved, I hope that you'll let us adapt it into an Otome game. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I'll headline that myself. No, uh, no, Juliana uh, has a quasi-really awkward romance with Lachlan in that, like, she is, she has a hopeless crush on him. A mm-hmm. gigantic 
hopeless crush. She has no idea how to react because Mm -hmm. romantically speaking, Jillian is a character who has had crushes on people before, but has never had them and be in any way that is any way like reachable or approachable. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very likely that Jillianna was asked out by people in the past and was completely oblivious to it. So she's not even like kissed anybody for real. So she is absolutely out of her element here entirely. Mood. Uh, And Lachlan is... Juliana is pretty convinced that Lachlan is, like, basically just a master of, like, being very polite and demurring and, like, basically just saying, like, oh, being subtle and saying, like, oh, no, I I don't mm-hmm. actually like you, but I'm just trying to be polite and I'm trying to gently put you off. But honestly, in reality, he's <sighs> probably just an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Annie? So he's an idiot and oblivious and Juliana's head over heels for him. Annie? Yeah. Is this a good time for me to tell you that um, I have an entire Spotify playlist that is called Idiots to Lovers and is dedicated to Juliana and Lachlan Love Songs? Send me that link! <laughs> I promise I will. I need it! I have, I have had this playlist for, at this point, probably like six months, and I definitely have been talking with Mac about what songs to put on it. Holy crud! <laughs> that's incredible and i need it i will send it to you i think you are going to be delighted with the song choices <laughs> i'm already delighted <laughs> oh no i'm blushing too oh no um success <laughs> so that's that's one of juliana's ship she also has a she also has a like Something that is just sort of getting started with a uh, suave, mysterious bad boy pirate, um, which mm-hmm. can threaten to literally, like, steal Juliana away from one of the NPCs she created specifically for me to like it, to one of the other NPCs <laughs> she created specifically for me to like. In, in this, in Spelljammer, Kit is both versions of the person trying to steal your girl. Right. <laughs> Kit versus the kit Kit told you not to worry about. Yes. (laughs) Versus the kit that you haven't seen yet. Right. Max is a a pirate who is smug, but he also trips over a trash can in his first appearance because he rolled a terrible roll on a stealth check. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. oh no, he's approachable too. Yes. Um, He trips just like real people do. He's a dumbass too. Perfect. Oh no. Um, but he is a character who sort of works at, not necessarily across purposes, but he definitely has his own motivations and his own interests. And it also turns out that he's a secret prince. Oh, yeah. Because he's, he's broody. Right. Mm-hmm. And he also likes to mess with Juliana and also flirted with Lachlan just to mess mm-hmm. with Juliana further, even though he was also flirting with Lachlan because Lachlan's a hot boy. Yes. So their relationship is one that is a bit more contentious because Juliana kind of hates him. Yes. But also hot boy, though? Also hot boy, though. Also hot boy, though. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, Juliana is a big bisexual disaster, so. Yeah. I- I'm still waiting for, for Kit to throw, you know, like the, I, th- I think we've discussed this, like the hot tiefling, the hot, the hot female identifying tiefling at you at some point. Yeah, with big, strong arms. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Yeah, no, sorry. Juliana just has a lot of really messy relationships with boys and she has no idea what to do with any of it. And that's really fun. Yeah. 
yeah, it, uh, it, it is it is fun to listen to. I hope that it's as fun to play as it is to listen to. Oh, I'm just glad it's fun for someone to listen to besides me to just blatantly participate in because, I mean, I am angling for scenes constantly with these these stupid, stupid idiots. <laughs> Plus, it also gives me something to ex- it, it gives me something to write in the in the journal entries of basically yeah. just Juliana psyching her out, psyching yeah. herself out and spiraling. Like, <sighs> Screen fills with ampersands. <laughs> <laughs> we have joked in the group that in the group chat that she probably keeps her roommate Kara up late at night just with her the sound of her pen scratching furiously into the yeah. paper of her notebook. Yeah. Right, so so one ha- one hopes that eventually Juliana is going to kiss a boy. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I I personally am Team Juliana and Lachlan, who I don't think have a ship name yet. K Hey Fan Community, I'll I'll, 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 re- I'll recruit the Discord. All I know, all I know is that the people apparently demand to see me see me play a character, just making a total ass out of myself. Uh, which is fun because, like, the whole reason that Juliana is extremely awkward is that, like, we recorded the episode where I'm like, "Hey, Kit, so tell me about this. Tell me about this hot half orc." Mm-hmm. Uh, we recorded that on my birthday. Yes, I remember. Right, we recorded that yes. on my freaking birthday, and, and then I, like I think you literally said Kit, Kit was talking about how hot Lachlan was, and then you were like, "On this, the day of my birth." <laughs> I think I drew you, like, sitting angrily in a box with, like, a party hat on. (laughs) I just felt so, like, embarrassed and awkward and weird about, like, doing this on air. And I'm also really, like, not always great at coming up with conversation on the fly when I'm trying to be in character. So, Mm -hmm. like, I just sort of, like, fretted about it for a couple of minutes and then asked the group, like... Can we just play this out in particular then? Can we just play it out like this? And that's how it ended up turning into Juliana just being a complete awkward mess. Mm-hmm. While Kakafi and Alviva basically just shove her on. And that has evolved into yes. its present form, which is everyone in the party basically just blatantly watches Juliana try and fail to get a boy to like her. Mm-hmm. It'll happen. It'll Bless happen. her heart. I have faith. She's a disaster. Mm-hmm. But she's your disaster. <laughs> She's my awful disaster child, and mm-hmm. she's doing her best. Yes. Okay, I'm going to just completely take the conversation in the absolute opposite order Go for it. Um, from where we were. But um, because we talked at the beginning a little bit about how it's about how Juliana has kind of become like the party's moral center and also leader. <laughs> and um, I know that we've we've talked like obviously off air and stuff about how it's it it can be really difficult to have that happen when you are playing a character so would you like to speak about how that kind of happened that jill became like the moral touchstone for this group of for this group of chaotic and random and lovable adventurers i think it's just something that happened kind of by default because juliana is basically me playing a character that i like to play and i am such an absolute like good guy weenie that i can never play like a bad guy or a dark side character i can't pick like mean dialogue options i just want everybody to get along and help people mm-hmm. and um that very much plays into uh one of the other central tenets of Juliana's character which is that she is uh technically speaking she is a protector azimar which is a type of azimar 
And that is a central proponent of Juliana's character. She protects people. She is determined to protect everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, whether they deserve it or not, she cares too much. Yeah. And she will do that to her own detriment if it means that the people that she cares about are safe. And that mm-hmm. need, that drive, is what basically dictates the tone of almost all of her character interactions. Um Outside of tripping over her own feet in front of a hot monster. Yeah. Um, I know that Jam Jammer tends to stay a little bit more kind of on the lighthearted side, I guess you could say. Um, have you had any, like, any major conflicts in in that, in Juliana's, like, drive to be moral, to be protecting people, to to always do good? Whether it's from other characters or like just from from situations that have been set up um hmm. not ones that have really been big sticking points because i think while we while the party is relatively chaotic i think uh we are all people who are generally here to be the heroes and to be the good guys Mm -hmm. um for example like even just in terms of character in particular cacophony i mean Cacophony's mm-hmm. whole origin story is that she's a character who, uh, she was a person whose family was persecuted by an evil, like, magistrate character, and she became mm-hmm. Cacophony to basically be, like, a do-gooder, like a, like, have an alter ego that basically just saved her town. Um, yeah. And she became Robin Hood. <laughs> right. She became, like, a Robin Hood character, like a Zorro. And, mm-hmm. uh, that... And I think that basic drive there, like, while the characters are relatively chaotic and may not always, like, have a moral center or need to, like, protect people, mm-hmm. they all are, you know, none of us are evil. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no wandering assholes in the party. <laughs> right. And generally speaking, I mean, it's a found family narrative and we mm-hmm. rally around each other. And yeah. When and Juliana's a character whose need is often one that is fulfilled by helping others and saving people and doing the best that she can to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. And when that need is greater than sort of the party's general, like, if there isn't really a need that feels like it's a greater one, then that is what we will rally around. Mm-hmm. We rally around each other's greatest need and attempt to make that happen. That that's a very good way to phrase that. I'm gonna have to remember that. <laughs> hey, future Christina, write that down your, when you're editing this episode. <laughs> write that but down I mean, when you're editing this episode in 24 hours. <laughs> but I mean, that's sort of what that means in terms of a found family is that these are people who rely on each other and support each other absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. it's a matter of either doing something that is what is best for that person or it is supporting them when they need you. And that mm-hmm. is absolutely something that the party always comes together to do because, mm-hmm. I mean, while we like doing adventures or having like or having <laughs> weird combat scenarios or just making jokes or what have you, mm-hmm. I think that everyone in the group, uh, both the players and the DM, we have all had oh, yeah, a very definitely. clear understanding from the start. And one that we've never really mm-hmm. discussed, but have all implicitly understood that the core of the party, the core of the show, is in the found family and the supportive relationship between mm-hmm. the party. Yeah. Annie? Yes? Ohana means family. Ohana means nobody gets left behind or, or forgotten. Or forgotten. 
It's basically against everything else, against the universe, against something that is eating worlds, against something yep. that is unknowable and unconquerable. The party yep. bands together to say, and feel free to bleep this, the party gets together to say, fuck you, we stand together against this. We mm -hmm. stand with each other. Yeah. Which is really good. Right. It's part of why I say, you know, Juliana's method of finding her faith, of, of being able to activate her wings, isn't something that is a matter of her, mm -hmm. isn't something that's tied up in her romantic arcs. Yeah. It's not something that she finds for the sake of someone else. It's something that she finds within in order mm -hmm. to... In order to help someone else. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a cool moment. Go listen to that <laughs> crossover, everyone. It, yeah, oh, it is so definitely cool. not quite, I don't think it, it didn't, had to kind of engineer a, a moment for that a little because it was very clear that like that was the setting that mm -hmm. would be good for Juliana to do that, um, mm -hmm. but kind of had to engineer it a little. I actually got a point of inspiration for that. <laughs> it, was, it was good. Because uh, Juliana didn't actually, Juliana actually saved on the role that, uh, would have dropped her and i was like kit what if i didn't though yeah 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 and it worked out very well <laughs> it was very good anyway i have a lot of feelings about Fev family mm -hmm. I, honestly as do i think at this point most of us <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a whole conversation that could be had about found family and how that's the reason why the Marvel movies have mostly failed <laughs> in, in, a, in a heartfelt sense. But that's not a conversation for this podcast. <laughs> Tune into your favorite uh, non-jerky uh, movie discussion podcast for a discussion on found family. You should do that and I will fight you, for instance. Yeah. Yes. We'll, 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 get, to the, we'll get to the actual shilling in a second. <laughs> right. So, um, before we, like, go into the wrap-up, um, I always like to ask, ask this when people bring in, uh, tabletop characters. What is your, either your favorite or the craziest thing that you've done with your character so far? Oh, jeez. Um, uh, I mean, the kind of obvious thing is that Jilliana was, was Jilliana's moment where she sort of discovered her faith, where she put her faith in Ethla. She was falling to her death. Ethla mm -hmm. heard her responded in a place where she absolutely shouldn't have been able to. And Jilliana popped the wings, as we call it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, and had like glowing eyes and like spectral wings and stuff and get, created this very cool moment for it mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. in terms of like the absolutely wildest thing though or my favorite thing i don't know honestly i'm very i'm very invested in and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in, in, in in the romance stuff so you know so you know you know the, the spicy tuba <laughs> episode is pretty good it's where good. where a hot wolf boy like walks Juliana home and then also hot orc boy says she's pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you mm -hmm. have to have a moment when you dress up nice when the when the love interest says you look pretty. Mm-hmm. Goals. It's just it's 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 incredibly indulgent, but you know, that's that's my there bread is and butter. Annie in the year of our Lord twenty twenty, there's absolutely non nothing wrong with indulgent media. <laughs> 
I mean, look, it's it's what both of us have built at least one podcast on. It's true. Okay, so that leads us into the last question of the recording, which All is, right. why do you love Juliana so much? <laughs> I love Juliana because she is an anxious disaster who is doing her best and is learning and developing and growing into a character that can actually carry the weight that she feels on her shoulder every day. And she's the kind of character that I want to play. She's exactly the kind of character that I want to see. And she is basically just... She's working out very well in everything that I would like her to do. Mm-hmm. 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 Also, sometimes she gets to be an Otome protagonist. Yes. And also, sometimes she just gets to do some really cool thunder magic. Yeah. Which also goals. <laughs> I don't know. She's just she's a very, very fun character to play in a campaign that I love a lot, that I get to play with people whom I love a lot. Aww. I love my friends. My friends are really good. I can talk. I'll, I will go on at length if you let me. I have already. Mm-hmm. Annie, this is a safe place. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that's it. I yeah. guess. <laughs> I mean, we can, we I guess can go into more now. detail about like, about like Juliana's faith arc if you want, but like. I'll save that for an episode if you're willing to come on Faithful. Absolutely. And then you and Emma and I can talk about uh, how playing clerics works around fictional faith and real faith and stuff. Well, that's the interesting thing. You actually know that the god's there. Mm-hmm. In, in, mm-hmm. That, that's like, that's so weird. Yeah. You could develop. And I say that as a Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> you get to develop a character who has a very brittle sense of faith because they've never had to develop it. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. So- Okay, so thank you so much, Amy, for coming on Wayward. I always appreciate having you, and I love getting to talk about Juliana. Thank you for letting me ramble about my daughter. You are welcome. Like I said, this is a safe place, and you are always welcome. (laughs) Okay, so where would you like to be found on the internet? Uh, I am sure that you have things that you want to plug and or support. I do. I I have a vague spiel about this. Uh, go for so it and don't find... go for it and don't do the date me damage feel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you can find me personally uh, on Twitter. I, I'll try to do that on the, uh, without a clap unconsciously. You can find <laughs> me personally on Twitter. Uh, I am at Anniezard. That's A N N I E Z A R D. Yes, like Charizard, but with Annie in the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> That is pretty much my main social media presence on the Hell site. We are all there holding hands together throughout the fire. Yes. Uh, You can find all of the stuff that I do, essentially, at crookedrussiancam.horse. That is our website. Yes, it is .horse. It's .com. God bless. God bless. Uh, You can find links on all of our things there. We are on Twitter at CRC Podcasts. Gem Jammer can be found wherever you download podcasts. I highly recommend it, as you can probably tell. It's something that I'm very proud of, and all of my friends mm-hmm. are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find uh, character bios on our website as well for Gem Jammer, as well as mm-hmm. uh, specific links to spied projects there. If you want to read the uh, Juliana's log, we are uh, posting that. I post that every other week on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash thegemjam. Uh, mm-hmm. everything pretty much starts at a dollar a month, so you can read 50,000 words of, uh, 
Juliana doing mm-hmm. uh, anxious cleric rants about mm-hmm. what happened on the last episode. I'm also starting to post uh, on off weeks for that. I am starting to post log archives, which makes it a little easier to catch up. Um, mm-hmm. So you can also download those in PDF format as well. We're working on maybe doing an EPUB thing in the future. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. My other projects are Date Me Damn It, um, which is a uh, Otome dating sim YouTube uh, thing mm-hmm. that you can find. We also have I Will Fight You, which is sort of a pop culture movie podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we have episodes on things like The Raven, which is not The Crow. It's The Raven. Yes. Uh, about how much Mackenzie hates James Joyce. Uh, about mm-hmm. <laughs> about Dragon Riders of Pern. About Jupiter yes. Ascending. A lot of it yes. comes to be about uh, feminine media, girly media, trash media, and why we love it so much. It's a very joyful podcast. It, it is truly. It is truly a very joyful podcast. I mean, heck, I, I I probably mentioned it the last time that you were on the show, but considering how that was almost 50 episodes ago, um, the, the, the I Will Fight You episode on Mary Sue's was one of the direct inspirations for this entire podcast, so I am eternally <laughs> indebted. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, Gem Jammer is edited by Jake Mason, who uh, has come on the show before. Friend of the pod. Uh, bless. I Will Fight You is edited by uh, Lucas Brown. Um, and I believe that is pretty much all of my plugs and chills with a slightly more extended one on Gem Jammer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to, you know, mention Gem Jammer a lot because we're here for Gem Jammer. Speaking of which, Gem Jammer comes out every other week. <coughs> uh, the episodes are usually about, usually about 40 minutes to an hour, so it's usually pretty mm-hmm. easy to digest. Oh, um, yeah. They're recorded in chunks. And mm-hmm. uh, everybody on there is really good, and I love my friends a lot. Again, yeah, Kit's a great DM. Uh, they come up with the dumbest stuff for us, uh, just based mm-hmm. on Spelljammer. Mackenzie is a wonderful co-player. Uh, Alexi is someone who I've gotten to know more recently, and she is an utter delight every single time. I love what she has brought to the character of Alviva, and mm-hmm. Rio is one of my best friends, and they are just a huge dumb disaster and their character Arturos has been an absolute delight to uh, mm-hmm. attach to the party as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The Home for Rewido Seas is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. It can be found on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Acast, Stitcher, and hopefully whatever other podcast platform you're listening on. If we're not there, let me know and I'll work on getting there. Our theme song is Violet by Pottage and Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. New episodes come out on the second and fourth Mondays of the month. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we can be found on Twitter at WaywardOCPod or through the WaywardOCPod hashtag. You can also email us at WaywardOCPod at gmail.com. I, I do have a couple of guests lined up for upcoming episodes, but if you are interested in being on the show... um. The week that this episode comes out, I am, I've decided and figured, well, I have realized that it's much easier and fairer to guests if I have just the post, uh, if I just have the, uh, the form be active all the time. So the week that this episode comes out, I will be sharing it on the Twitter feed and I'll make it the pinned message. So if you are interested in being on the show, you can uh, simply go to the form that will be the pinned tweet on the Wayward Twitter account. And you can use that to uh, submit your OC for the podcast. Uh, I do not promise uh, any kind of chronological consistency with replying to people, but I can promise you that I'm going to do my best to get back to people who submit their OCs in a timely fashion. (laughs) And of course, uh, this is a podcast, so 
Uh, It is always super helpful if you can subscribe and rate us on your listening platform of choice, and ideally also leave a review, um, because that helps us to find a wider audience and to brighten more people's days. So, thank you all for listening. This has been the Helpful Rainbow Doses, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Oh, now I want to see, like, the trio of adventures between Max and Lachlan and Arturos. Like, just, like, just a boys' night out? Yes. Oh, I would, I would, I would be so interested in that. Just a, just a dumb, pretty boys' night out. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't believe Ryo hasn't already drawn that, honestly. Hey, Ryo, I'm sure you're probably listening to this. (laughs) You, you you can have that one for free. <laughs> not that not, not that I would charge you. But <laughs> you you have my blessing, and I'm sure you probably already have Annie's. Yeah, they they know what I'm about. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Theo, and this is LGB Time Machine, an LGBTQ plus history podcast. In each episode, I'll research and then discuss a topic or time period or person that's relevant to LGBTQ plus history, and hopefully this will encourage more people to look into our history. So far, I've done a broad overview of the persecution of LGBTQ plus folks in the U.S., talked about the homophile movement, the Lavender Scare, LGBTQ plus bars, and looked at some of the riots and events leading up to and including Stonewall. Tune in to the Orange Groves Network to learn some cool facts about LGBTQ plus history that you might not have known before.